Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Polygon Alpha podcast, where the Polygon community gathers insights from today's leaders in decentralized finance, Web3, and crypto. I'm your host, Justin Havens, aka Crypto Texan. Let's get started. On today's episode of Polygon Alpha, we are joined by Daigaro and Boyan from Fuji Protocol. Daigaro, Boyan, thanks for being here with us today. How are y'all doing today? Feeling awesome. Thanks for having us, uh, Justin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Happy to have you all here. It's a real pleasure. So we usually like to get started off with just the background of our guests. So, you know, what is your background and what were you doing before Web3? Uh, Daigaro, let's start with you and then we'll move on over to Boyan. Sure. So I'm one of those guys that used to work in a different industry and then I transitioned into crypto. But I have always uh, or at least I since 2014, I've known of Bitcoin. I remember reading the, the white paper and getting hooked since then, though I didn't do anything until later on. However, my, my background and, or my professional background is in aerospace engineering, <laughs> complete different industry. Uh, but I, I think, uh, uh, the, the experience I have had there has helped me. And, uh, that's why I kind of knew programming and, and, uh, in 2020, uh, I got into, or I read about, uh, decentralized finance and I think that's how I got hooked. And, and yeah, I think that summarizes a little bit about myself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my background uh, is a bit uh, diverse too. Um, uh, so I before before um, joining Fuji, I I have been working for a couple of years uh, as a CTO of B two B web web two startup in uh, in Paris. Uh, before this, like uh, tech uh, experience, I had uh, I, I have been working in uh, in a bank and in a, uh, in a, a fund. So uh, DeFi was uh, like uh, I, when I found out find out about DeFi, I I com- felt in love uh, 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 with it because like it it's. It's the intersection of uh, my two passions, professional passions and uh, backgrounds, f- finance and uh, and technology. And um, yeah, like um, um, I, um, I I met Degaro last year during a hackathon and uh, where our uh, journey start, started, the Fuji journey started uh, 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 yeah, last last uh, January. That's so interesting. So, Dagaro, you were an aerospace engineer, and then Boyan, you were in traditional finance, but you switched over to web development. But the two of you met at a hackathon. What hackathon was that, and what drove the two of you to go to that hackathon to even meet each other? Yeah, actually, it was even like we 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 even didn't uh, met uh, meet because uh, it was an online hackathon. Uh, we met a couple of months after we we founded Fuji. Uh, so yeah, actually, it's uh, yeah, it was a complete remote, uh, <laughs> complete remote relationship. Um, uh, yeah, I, and it was completely by chance. We, um, I guess, it it was the the, the case for both of us. Uh, we subscribed. We. Uh, got to the uh, like to uh, to looking for uh, other teammates and uh, yeah we we formed a team with other people and uh, yeah here this is how we <laughs> we we uh, we met and how eventually things uh, uh, happened yeah I, I think if I cannot just add something uh, we were just on discord you know kind of looking I'm looking for a teammates and it was uh, you know kind of a serendipity <laughs> that uh, that we just met and uh, yeah I think uh, we kind of had the same uh, vision of building something new something uh, different uh, probably not just uh, for, for and I'm talking about the hackathon we wanted to have something original and I think uh, that's how we came up with the idea for Fuji. Okay, so Fuji was a product of the hackathon. 
yeah, we we came up with, with it by just, I mean, during a brainstorm, like by asking ourselves, okay, what everyone else is doing right now, and it was in the in the hype of uh, like DeFi. Yeah, the DeFi summer was over, but still DeFi was uh, 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 very hot. And um, it, it, by that time, there were a lot of yield aggregators that were um, uh, up on the on the on the market. Uh, and yeah, we say yeah. So everyone is looking to maximize their yields, but no one is looking to minimize their their cost, right? And uh, yeah, this is how yeah we we we. Uh, looked at the the other side of the of the market and uh, saw an opportunity, a very interesting opportunity. Yeah, and let's on that note, let's get into Fuji Protocol a little bit because it is a lending and borrowing aggregator, and you see a lot of decentralized exchange aggregators, and then you also see, like you said, yield aggregators as well. Uh, why did you feel like there was a need in the market for this type of? aggregator in the DeFi space? It's a, I think it's a good question because the parting where we say it's a need, that's still debatable because we're still trying to find our, our product market fit. <laughs> but uh, definitely, if you think about what DeFi allows and the fact that you can start using your assets as a collateral uh, to take a loan, and you know, probably right now most people just use it to farm some other stuff or do some kind of strategy within DeFi. I think if you have a longer vision, I mean, it's it's a way of saving that I think would allow people, when they borrow in DeFi, they would allow them to have a credit line access to whatever they want in real life. And I think uh, as we, we, we think about this sometimes and we say, oh, maybe we're too early <laughs> in, in you know facilitating this uh, lending aggregation uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this is just to mention some of the things that cross our mind when we were thinking, well, right now, if you want to borrow uh, or you have to search the best rates, you have to see which uh, platform you have to use. And the optimization of doing this wasn't there. So that's uh, that's the angle we took. Yeah, uh, exactly. And just to, uh, to to add that, uh, yeah, we see first the 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 rates, the interest rates in different markets are highly volatile. Uh, so um, for the regular user, if they they have to to switch between different uh, lending providers themselves, they can. There, there are also tools to, to do so in an easy way, but there is the overhead of uh, the efforts that you have that users have to invest to in order to achieve uh, this optimization. On the other side, we are seeing uh, we are seeing on every chain several money markets, several lending protocols being there. Uh, so if we add. The, uh, also, the complexity of money markets on different chains, uh, proposing different conditions. So we see how how this market is is uh, is uh, super se- segmented. So so yeah, I I guess yeah, it's like a, it's a, uh, I I would call it a need for for uh, the next wave of uh, users or even for the current users. To have a, a tool uh, such as uh, such, such as Fuji to uh, to aggregate for them to relieve them from the burden of like looking uh, throughout the, the markets uh, doing this uh, uh, automat- this uh, uh, automizable uh, actions uh, themselves. So yeah, this is uh, this is our our niche. This is our uh, these are uh, our users. Yeah, Daigaro, I like what you said about, you know, being too early, because I think a lot of people would just think that DeFi in general might be a little too early, but someone's got to be the very, very early innovators in this space. And I, I can see in the future, there obviously being a need for lending and borrowing aggregators, just like there's a need for 
DEX aggregators or decentralized exchange aggregators as well and yield optimizing aggregators as well. Um, But I guess like when you're going through this, well, I'm just kind of thinking like there are so many decentralized exchange aggregators out there. Why do you feel like there are so many of them? Is it just easy to put together from a composability standpoint? Or is it more difficult to build on top of like Aave and Compound than it is like Uniswap V2 and QuickSwap V2? Yeah, the, the DEX aggregation, it, it has its uh, it challenges. Uh, but uh, in a way, it like once uh, the the deck, the aggregator fetches the like the the most um, the the best route uh, for uh, for a given swap and uh, the relationship between the decks and the user after uh, completing the swap fi- uh, ends right the user gets their tokens uh, and uh, they do whatever they want while with lending and borrowing aggregation, there is uh, much more complexity uh, uh, because users, once they borrow or lend, they still, the relationship between the aggregator and the user uh, continues in, in time till the moment they repay the, uh, their loan. So, so actually, it's not only, that's why we are describing Fuji that first we are routing the user to, to the best or to the best uh, interest rate depending on lending or borrowing, which is okay, uh, uh, kind of easy. But after that, what is, what is um, uh, most uh, challenges is uh, is to how to optimize continuously so that users pay uh, pay the the least or or. Uh, Yield like have the the the, be, the best uh, lending a- APR. So um, so yeah, this is this is maybe part of the answer why there are so many dex aggregators and not so much lending aggregators. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point you put out there too. Is that yeah, you're right. When someone uses a dex aggregator, if they're interacting with Uniswap or QuickSwap the relationship ends at that point. The trade has happened and now it's over. But if you're using a lending and borrowing aggregator and it aggregates me to Aave over Compound, I still have this relationship with Aave because they're, they they have my collateral, right? Or the protocol has my collateral, not they. Um, yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, so how, I mean, what kind of challenges have you gone through building on top of these lending and borrowing protocols? Is it, and I also want to know, like, which lending and borrowing protocols do you currently support on the Polygon network? I, what I can add also in terms of the part of the complexity is also the risk. I think uh, just because of what Buyan mentioned, that the relationship is uh, longer there's also risk associated, for example, on, on being a middle layer in where you are relying on the underlying protocols uh, security as well. So there's an aspect of risk that has to be kind of uh, managed by the aggregator. And I, and I think that's also part of the challenge. Yeah, so on, on, uh, back on your, on your question about, um, about Polygon, Right now, um, we we are aggregating um, v 2 and v 3 uh, and uh, yeah, the uh, on Polygon actually Ave Ave has a pretty dominant like a pretty dominant uh, uh, dominant position, uh, and um, we agree that it's not the same like to aggregate Aave market and compound and compound market, if we can say they, they, they're on the same level of uh, like uh, security assumptions, uh, TVL and some other smaller protocols that has, uh, have uh, uh, just a couple, uh, uh, 10 or 20 million of, um, of uh, TVL. So, so this was, uh, our main challenge in um, in our our v1 how to account for this uh, for these differences how to account for the different uh, um, risk that each of these lending markets uh, uh, have so that's why 
uh, actually for our our V2 we we think to uh, to um, to uh, allow for more uh, we plan to allow for uh, to allow more flexibility for users which means to um, to still aggregate markets but to aggregate different set set of markets which means like we'll have like the biggest uh, less risk uh, less risky markets like Aave and Compound on the one on uh, one side and uh, some other uh, smaller or more risky but maybe with higher um, uh, like with some farming uh, going on uh, there but we we think to give the user the the choice of selecting what risk they are um, they are um, willing to to take yeah that may yeah that's that's interesting and so you're only using Aave V2 and V3 right now on the Polygon network because that's that is the most TVL, which makes sense. Like that, those are the most liquid markets. But could you foresee a, a future where you implement like a like a Cheetow or something like that, where you have a vault and then you mint my, which is a CDP style stablecoin? Is that something that you could in, integrate into the protocol? And that. It's a it's a it's a very different type of lending and borrowing, uh, I guess, w when you compare it to Aave V two and V three, right? But how would that fit in your protocol, if at all? If we, if we can can differentiate like the 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 kinds of lending and borrowing available in in currently in uh, in DeFi, like we can see uh, money markets ty uh, uh, type Aave compound. And money markets type uh, G uh, Maker uh, um, Abracadabra. Uh, so so yeah, exactly. And with our alpha version, our V1, we have uh, we have like uh, we were focused on just the first type, but uh, we definitely in in our V2 we we foresee to. To aggregate also uh, the other type of, of markets, and why not like having a combination of both? What uh, what uh, what I mean by combination of both is like at, uh, you can take out a loan in USDC, for example, and we route you to uh, we route you to Ave at, at the beginning, but after that, like. We uh, we find out that uh, the user finds out that they want to actually not paying uh, not paying the the interest on 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 this table coin and switch to another one and here is where we can we can provide this kind of um, Fuji votes where users will be uh, uh, the the vote will be rebalanced between. Uh, Stable coins that accrue some some that are bearing some interest, uh, paying some interest for them, and stable coins to refinance for them so that they 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 don't pay any interest uh, at all. So essentially, a, a user could swap their stable coin position based on the current market rate to to benefit to, to take advantage, I guess, of that arbitrage situation. Yeah, like uh, to to swap the debt or also uh, to swap the collateral. Like they have a position in uh, with collateral WBTC, and for some reason they want to swap it for uh, WETH or MATIC, and uh, yeah, so it it will be possible with this kind of votes. That's really interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see a use case there. It just it just makes things a lot more convenient for the user, which. I mean, that's mainly what aggregators do uh, in general, right? A lot less research. The protocol does the research for you. Uh, so, like, do, do you have one global position at Fuji for all of, like, for all of my assets? Yeah, I think uh, I can answer that. So, for example, in the architecture that we have designed, uh, there's a, something called a pair. So, basically, a pair is a collateral and a debt asset. And I'm talking here specifically about a borrowing bolt in where you're able to take a loan. So uh, with this pair, everybody that is in this uh, market are pulled together. And basically the bolt is the one representing uh, the, the pool in the lending providers. 
So in, in the more specific in the V2 architecture, we're actually defining the vault as an ERC uh, 40, 46, 46, 26. <laughs> A little bit of dyslexia there, sorry. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the idea here is that uh, the, the pool, everybody that, you know, enters this vault, they get shares of the pool, both, both in their collateral or in, and in their uh, debt. I really want to talk about V2 and like what's next on the roadmap, because I think that's going to be where a lot of the really exciting things are, are happening. But I, I have just like two more questions on, on where we are right now. And the first one is, you know, if, if there is like a farming opportunity on a specific lending and borrowing protocol, like what does the Fuji protocol do with those farmed tokens or do they, does it, does it even matter? Can, can the Fuji protocol do anything with them? Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's quite important, uh, quite important question uh, because uh, most of the protocols they provide um, they provide this uh, uh, farming opportunities, and uh, we have to account for 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 it when when choosing uh, one uh, protocol over a, a, another. So and. Uh, even in our in the in our current version, we farm the uh, the Fuji farms the, the the rewards and compound them for more collateral for the users. So actually, this is another feature. Uh, so the first one, the routing, the refinancing, and this is the third uh, very important feature for uh, our users that is the farming that it's it's how to compound for them uh, the rewards from the underlying uh, protocols which means that like we farm the, the the token and sell it for more collateral and uh, compound it into the into the pool so that everyone that has uh, has a share like get uh, uh, see see their collateral increase Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, so the farm tokens are essentially just dumped to improve the collateral factor for the borrowers, correct? Wow, that's that's amazing. And so currently, uh, Fuji Protocol, the markets are, are pretty much siloed uh, depending on which blockchain you are on, right? So if you want to borrow and lend on Polygon, you're stuck using only Aave V2 and Aave V3. Maybe I shouldn't say stuck because those are very, very good protocols to lend and borrow from. Uh, but what's the next step? It's it's the multi-chain future, right? So do you want to talk a little bit more about version two and what that has to offer for users and, and developers alike? Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm just going to speak briefly about the multi-chain world. I think uh, there's two general theses, right? People that think uh, there's going to be this layer one that is going to dominate everything and everybody should just uh, uh, build there. I think uh, there's evidence now and we're seeing that the thesis of the multi-chain world is there and like it's probably going to continue in where, you know, uh, certain applications are going to be in specific chains and, you know, the DeFi market is going to exist on these different uh, chains. So I think uh, based on this and the idea that this will continue and that the new wave of coming users will have to deal with this multi-chain world, I think that's uh, where our Fuji V2 uh, uh, with cross-chain capability uh, starts. So uh, maybe, Bujan, you want to extend Actually, it's uh, something that was hinted by our own users, like uh, asking uh, questions like, okay, now I want to use Fuji on, on uh, Phantom, but I have some assets uh, on uh, some other chain, and uh, like what bridge uh, you will advise. So, and actually we see there is a, like a, a huge friction in, in this like multi-chain world, right? Like the users, are forced to switch between different uh, different products, uh, between different uh, uh, UIs, um, uh, to achieve something that could be uh, easy. Uh, even, even protocols that are multi-chain, 
they they don't have a, a way for uh, for their users to interact within the from within the same uh, uh, interface uh, on the different chains. Like they okay, they have a link to okay, go to this bridge and and do whatever you want and come back. And uh, yeah, for real aggregation of uh, of lending markets, we want uh, we want to to propose to to users all this uh, experience to happen in in one place, uh, which means, for example, user has collateral on chain A, they want to borrow, uh, they want uh, to borrow and to get the assets on chain B because uh, there is something they want to do with uh, with the borrowed amount. Uh, and we have, like, if the user is about to is up to 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 uh, to do this operation themselves, they have to to do do like five between five and uh, seven or eight transactions. And what we what we are aiming with uh, Fuji V2 is to uh, to allow this to happen in only single transaction, which means the user they just. Select the 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 chain where their collateral lives, where they want to borrow, and there is just one transaction, and they get the borrowed amount on their um, address in chain in chain B. So so yeah, this is uh, this is our ambition, and it is like uh, it's uh, it's. A good time to for for this kind of um, application to to. Uh, to to be proposed to users because we are seeing like more and more uh, like uh, uh, layers of uh, bridge the bridge layer uh, being able to uh, get into the the application layer which means that the bridge itself it won't be anymore like a, another application it will be part of the core application that users are used to. Uh, uh, to use in for their uh, uh, for their deals. This is fascinating. So on the V2 version, I could essentially say, "Hey, I want to use Wrapped Ether as collateral, and I want to borrow USDC against it, and it would just show me different protocols on different change, and which rate would be the most preferred for me, the lowest, I guess." So it, that. That's really interesting. But then like on the on the case of like collateral and debt swaps, which we talked about earlier, it, it makes sense to me, I guess, on if it's just from a siloed protocol or blockchain to blockchain uh, basis. But when you go multi-chain with collateral and debt swaps, it, it, it gets a little fuzzy to me. Can you talk through like maybe more of the mechanics on how that works? Yeah. Uh, so actually, uh, this uh, cross-chain um, uh, cr uh, uh, cross-chain Fuji um, that we are building, it, uh, we started to, to conceive it uh, back in April this year um, during uh, at East Amsterdam uh, Hackathon. Um, we, yeah, we participated as a team uh, with, under a different name uh, but we wanted to to build like a proof of concept of uh, of uh, we we called it a debt teleporter, which means like you have a debt position at chain A and you want to swap uh, you want to to move it to teleport the whole position collateral and and debt to another one because uh, conditions are better. Uh, yeah, we can we. Build like uh, this proof of concept. We were even amongst the finalists, uh, and uh, it, it is possible. It is possible, and it uh, resembles a bit of a, of a cross-chain uh, flash loan, like, with all the like uh, um, uh, knowing that the flash loan can like if the the definition of flash loan is being executed in the same transaction. So. Yeah, I'm saying flash loan uh, uh, in quotes, uh, but yeah, actually the debt swaps and the collateral swaps that we we talked are um, are possible thanks to flash loans. So if we manage to to uh, to um, to create a system where we can 
we can mimic this flashland cross chain like i think it will be uh, uh it will be for our v3 uh so yeah the 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 debt swaps and the collateral swaps they are possible within a chain because we have to use a flash loan uh but in the future when when maybe fuji uh, relies on their on our own pools of liquidity that uh, a trusted uh, contract can take a flash loan can take a loan on chain a and repay it on chain b and there are some inner workings on rebalancing this uh, this liquidity pools so in that case we can talk about cross chain uh, debt and uh, collateral swaps so uh, for now for now uh yeah it's the the case for v2 is uh, cross chain lending and borrowing yeah and and the debt swap will happen uh if the opportunity is within that chain that can be done the cross chain uh debt swap i think uh that's more complex and i think it involves this uh quote cross flash loan that basically it's a uh, you you need a temporary uh debt on on one side of the chain that there's some trust assumption that you will pay it back and i think that's the part of the system that kind of requires uh these liquidity pools that perhaps in a v3 we can integrate yeah, this is really interesting. I feel like these are just a lot of the challenges that we've been talking about in the DeFi space for a while that Fuji is addressing or attempting to address. Because th th this is like really difficult. And when you said flash loan, yeah, I mean, when I think of flash loan, I think of uh, a transaction that opens and closes within the same block. And I, I but it's so flash loan in quotes because from a cross chain perspective, um, it's like a semi flash loan. I mean, or a Fuji flash loan, I guess y'all could kind of determine what it's called if y'all are going to be the first ones to do it. Um, I'm not aware of anyone else doing that right now, which is which is really interesting. Um, I also want to talk about uh, the 4626 standard. I mean, how are y'all leveraging the ERC 4626 standard? And was it just, you know, the standard came out and you were thinking, oh, we need to use this in our protocol some way or another? Or was it you were looking to solve a specific problem and then the ERC 4626 standard went live and you decided, oh, this is what we were looking for? How did all of that so come to fruition? Maybe I can talk about part of it. And... Um and maybe Bujan, you extend after that. But uh, one of the problems that you face when you want to uh, move data chain to chain is that if the data is changing, um, in the case, for example, DEB, right? You're always like it's always accruing, and if you want to know how much you owe on the, on the other chain, this ever-changing value it's kind of a challenge to know okay this is this was at this moment but when it actually executed on the other chain it should be a, another number right so th there's a challenge there so erc4626 allows uh for example has this share system in where shares are your are, are a fixed portion of a pool and the shares don't change the the amount of Shares are is not an ever changing number, like uh, like the interest that you're owing. So, w with the structure that they already did, it's it's uh, I think for us, transferring shares between chains was more uh, easy than transferring, uh, you know, current debt balance or current uh, collateral balance plus interest. <laughs> So that that's uh, one aspect of it, and I, I think uh, uh, Buyan maybe on the we're seeing that more projects are building on this standard, and like you know the functions are standardized. So if we think about kind of building strategies with other teams, I think this is uh, something that will not only allow us to help the user. Uh, you know, the individual users, but maybe in the compositibilities part, uh, we can also work with uh, BTV uh, kind of work. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this uh, the composable part is uh, really important here um, uh, because actually we we saw for the length like we have uh, like the ERC twenty seven twenty one and all, all yeah uh, all others, but like for the lending and, and borrowing we saw a compound v v2 uh, being used the, like there are many forks of, of uh, compound like maybe 80 percent of the lending markets are uh, forks of, of compound v2 and like it 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 established itself like as a as as the uh, the standard per se for for lending and borrowing uh, across chains but what was missing on this market is this this standardization of um, uh, like official standardization i know that uh, 4626 is maybe not like the was not intended for for this it was intended for a tokenized vote uh you would you would uh, bearing uh, tokens but like with a bit of extent a bit we extend it a bit so to to allow also to account for not only for the uh, collateral uh, that is accruing uh, yield but also to use it as a, as to to account for the interest uh, uh, for the interest accrual of the, the of the data set so yeah this is uh, very important and also we see how ERC 4626 is used for Exactly this lending, uh, lending and borrowing side. For example, with Fraxland, they extend also ERC forty six twenty six for their uh, uh, new product, which is yeah, which is uh, lending. So uh, yeah, we are super excited like to to uh, to to work with this standard because like we see we see a huge potential for uh, composability and. Uh, uh, actually, old standardization is welcome for a product for a aggregator li like us, right? We don't need to re-implement for every different lending and borrowing market um, their 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 own uh, specific uh, um, uh, smart contracts. Yeah, yeah. Standardization does make things a lot easier for the devs. Absolutely, um, and yeah, I think on the. Polygon DeFi side, we're really excited to see how ERC four six two six starts to implement itself, and I think there are like a lot of untapped use cases that people just have not yet discovered for four six two six. But we are starting to see a lot more projects starting to implement this, maybe or starting to play around with the four six two six standard. Like yourselves, Mstable is one. I think Superform. I think. Tattoo might be doing something with it. So it's exciting to see uh, what those teams will do with that standard and what kind of composability it'll bring in the future as well. So love to hear, loved hearing y'all's thoughts on that. Um, but also another thing I want to talk about related to cross chain has to do with bundling or bundles and permits. Um, and then y'all are also leveraging the EIP 712 standard as well uh, regards to that can you give the our audience maybe like a little background on what that is and how it plays into version sure. two so eip 712 basically is a standard that allowed signing messages for smart contracts to be more readable to the user or the front front end client so that they're not just uh, signing you know uh uh a random hex string that they don't even know what it is. So now how we're using this in in our version two is that when 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 you have to execute something on behalf of a user, there's uh, for example uh, like a, a router that uh, does things on behalf of you. There's a security assumption that this router uh, you have to trust it, right? <laughs> and 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 the and when you're sending messages cross chain, you have to know who is the message sender that you can trust. So I I think what what we were able to do with the with the permits is that you can sign a message beforehand saying that I'm gonna send this collateral to this chain 
and I'm gonna allow this specific router that I know uh, belongs to the to the Fuji smart contracts uh, that that they are gonna open the borrow position and they're gonna send the funds to me. So it essentially allows uh, on the receiving chain to do actions on behalf of the user by just uh, signing a message and saving uh, the user the additional transactions on the other chain. So yeah, everyone knows about, uh, actually this EAP is, uh, the, as we, we call them permits, right? It's like uh, we know some, some ERC20 tokens that uh, uh, instead of requiring from the user to, to, um, to uh, do a approval transaction, to approve, for example, when we swap, when we do a, a swap on, on uh, Uniswap, like, uh, like we have to approve the token beforehand so that we can swap, um, we can swap it. And some uh, tokens, they, like, they allow for signing just a message and which, uh, which to be used as a, like, a, a approval for the contract to execute uh, this, uh, this transaction. Uh, and so, so this is like the, the base case of the permits and like our challenge, uh, the challenge uh, um, for, for us was how to, uh, because the user in the cross-chain um, cross lending and borrowing, the user acts from chain A. And the, the actual borrowing, uh, depositing and borrowing will happen on chain B. So from uh, by another contract that, as Degaro described, the user has to trust. And uh, so that's how we, we came up with the idea that we can use the same mechanism for signing approval, but instead of like uh, for um, the uh, approval of, for ERC20, uh, for ERC20 approvals, like we, uh, we uh, use uh, permits for uh, debt management. Like the user signs this message, we transfer it to do the other chain and validate it on the other chain. Uh, and uh, the, the user, like the, the contract is uh, uh, authorized by, by, by it to borrow on behalf of the user, to deposit and borrow on behalf of the user. Yeah, it's definitely helpful for, I mean, when I sign a transaction and I see just a giant string of hex numbers, I don't take the time to try to pay attention to what it is. So I, I've always thought that this was a, a nice little implementation and j just a nice little, I guess, uh, improvement to the UX for the users in general. Cause I think like that's one of the main things that we're missing in DeFi right now, but it's improving over time. It's just like the UI and UX improvement for the users, right? Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on uh, UI UX or what is Fuji's philosophy on that? Yeah, our philosophy on, on, on about about uh, UI and UX is like uh, to abstract away as much as uh, complexity as we can, so the user like can focus on on what is the most important for them. Uh, I think the biggest uh, the biggest advantage uh, with uh, Fuji V2 will be that. Uh, the, this huge improvement in in UX is that the bridge, the bridging logic itself, is baked into the application itself. Next, like uh, this, the lending and borrowing, it requires uh, some knowledge about uh, health factors, about uh, uh, collateral borrow limits, uh, and all this and. Yeah, it's super important for us to, to, to not to, to spare from this important information for the user, but to, to present it in a way that is the, like obvious, like they don't have to, the user don't have to, to, uh, to go on two tips and treat uh, this doc on the, or uh, go to uh, the, some links to, and to, to 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 get like to to get the the basic understanding so that's why we uh like we are super focused on the ui to to present the all the important information 
to be obvious for the for the user. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like we're starting to run up on time here a little bit, but there's some other things that I, I want to touch on specifically. Uh, one is uh, tokenomics. Do you have a token? Will you have one in the future? I hate to ask a win token, but... Yeah. So uh, what I can say is that one of our goals, I think, is first to to show a product you know that offers value to the users. And I, I think... Uh, the, the most important there is to have a product that shows traction, right? I think once you have that, then uh, having token, a utility token uh, makes sense. And and I think uh, we're in the position in where we want to show a product that has traction. And, and once that's uh, demonstrated, then the token will come in. And obviously, uh, token will belong to the users because th that's the... That's how you decentralize the product, right? Right. Absolutely. I'm not going to dig much deeper on that. So, but another question I do have is uh, from a revenue standpoint, like how does the protocol generate revenue with all of this going on in the background? I mean, this feels like a very gas intensive aggregation system. Uh, in our version one, the way we were uh, considering, you know, protocol revenue, was that we were charging 0.1% uh, on top of the whatever we were optimizing. So th this this was the the protocol revenue, and uh, for for our V2, I think we haven't set anything in stone yet, uh, but probably this this potentially could be uh, an option. And uh, also we we plan to add you know services on the side that also add value uh, compared to the to the current lending platforms that things that you cannot do for example um, in in v1 we try this uh, one click uh, close your position and and you know in that we were charging a one percent uh, of the depth as a fee and it was Good. I mean, a lot. We got a lot of feedback that people like that because they can close their position in one click. Yeah, I think uh, here the the um, our um, direction for uh, for uh, revenue streams is uh, like we have uh, like a basket of like some base uh, services that they don't pay for like the the sustainability like they they, they don't generate the most uh, uh, the the, the bigger the biggest chunk of the revenues of the protocol but like other like satellite services that are imp also very important when users manage their positions and actually and to charge users with this um, with uh, for these services uh, so yeah i guess it's like a um, well-known like way of uh, like ad, of um, uh, ad companies revenue generation like the 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 service that users come come for is uh, for almost for free and uh, they're like uh, other services they are uh, generating the the revenues for for like the whole product Awesome. And uh, uh, one more question I have for each of you. Well, I've got a couple more, actually. But uh, what else on the roadmap or what other features of version two gets you all the most excited that maybe we haven't touched on quite yet? Uh, sure. I think um, among some of the user research that we've done, uh, one topic uh, kept coming and probably because of the bear market uh, coming across was uh, this concept of liquidation protection. So how, how do users that have an open position uh, protect against, you know, getting liquidated? And I think uh, it's something that, you know, a product that it's a added, added value service on top of a lending platform that can uh, extend the services that we offer on V2. But maybe it's not uh, for V2, it's uh, uh, further down the road, is this uh, idea of, uh, of cross-chain uh, flash loans uh, that, of course, needs, uh, uh, needs much more uh, thought and uh, 
uh, thinking to 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 get uh, to to get achieved. But yeah, I mean, uh, for already for V two, like we we are super excited to work uh, for this uh, for the cross chain calls. Actually, we didn't mention, but like we we are partnering with uh, Connext to to make this happen. Uh, they uh, they are launching a major upgrade of their um, of uh, of uh, their bridge uh, um, in month or so and we are leveraging on yeah we are leveraging their um, their network and uh, uh, their uh, this new upgrade uh, amarok upgrade uh, to to make the x calls uh, between the cross chain calls uh, happen uh. that's really interesting yeah i i think this is such an interesting concept and i think it's definitely something that's a need in the space and the future is multi-chain uh without a doubt and with that comes aggregators that also go multi-chain and like from a flash loan standpoint i can't even imagine how a cross chain flash loan would even happen i'm i'm not a developer and that's it feels like moon math and some gigabrain dev stuff that i just don't really have the ability to comprehend because at my heart i'm a traditional finance person so um but this has been great uh daigaro and boyan i'm really glad you came on the show i i feel like you know i've been trying to get fuji protocol on the podcast since i was doing the index coop podcast uh, about a year ago. So I'm glad to finally get y'all on one of the podcasts that I'm doing now. Um, and, and for that, I'll just, I'll leave it with y'all, you know, where can people go to find out more about the two of you and Fuji? Yeah, sure. So I, I think, uh, our Twitter account is at Fuji finance. So just follow us there. We do our main announcements there. You can also, uh, once you, you go to that, you can find our links to Discord where you can, you know, follow uh, uh, the community there. And, and yeah, I think uh, that's where you can find us. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, like an awesome community in Discord in, in like in different languages. And uh, yeah, it's there like where we can uh, chat and discuss uh, like uh, awesome uh, features or uh, ideas, crazy ideas. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, I appreciate y'all coming on. And for those of y'all listening and watching, thank you for listening and watching Spotify, YouTube, Substack, Apple podcasts, please subscribe and stay tuned for the next one next week. Uh, Daigaro Boyan. Thanks again. And I'll see y'all next time. Thank you, Justin. 